All right, welcome to the BCP podcast. I'm wearing my Stop the Steal 2020 t-shirt. <clears throat> my voice is coming and going. So this is probably going to be a little bit of... I'm going to be doing it in chunks. But for those of you watching the video feed right now, it is about 12.33 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I'm watching to see if the Swamp will be defeated and Jim Jordan will end up being the speaker today. We've got uh, quite a few things I want to cover. So let's get into this. I don't know if by the end of this episode we'll have an update on this or if I'll be reporting on that tomorrow. We're in a situation where we have put together and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. All right, so the first round went through and went by and came and went, and Jim Jordan is not the Speaker of the House. 20 holdouts, I'll put up on, on the screen these 20 holdouts, their phone numbers and what have you. If by the time I publish this, this information is relevant, I will publish it. So let's move on with what I wanted to talk about today. Um, let me, let me, without giving you any context, listen to this. This is a chance to really normalize the global perception of the Middle East. Because if there can be a way for Israel and Saudi to build a bridge here, I have a lot of hope that there can be a lot of stability. And a lot of the good work, I mean, again, like, man, as a Democrat who has been left homeless, who is now definitely in the center, but probably leaning increasingly right. I'm left yet again with an appreciation, despite the messenger of the message of the Trump administration, because what those guys did was pretty incredible in hindsight. All right. So you heard there is Chamath uh, Palihapitiya. He is one of the early executives at Facebook. Uh, now is, um, he's got his, uh, his company, um, social capital and he hosts the all in podcast and he had a lot to say about Trump derangement syndrome and people not people rejecting the right message of Trump because they hated Trump and how he was one of those. Very, very honest, very, very uh, thought-provoking and honest insight uh, for Mr. Uh, Palihapitiya. So let me let me play this segment from you uh, for you. This is from his podcast, the All In podcast. These Abraham Accords, the Accords with Israel and the GCC, the almost accord between Israel and Saudi, to really be able to like find a long-lasting peace. It's just a real example for the world. And you know, those guys did a lot of really good work. 
And it's it's a miracle, actually, when you when you look at it, what they did, yeah. you know, despite the fact, listen, I'm no fan of Trump and I am too homeless. But this is where it's a political party. This? But if you but want to objectively is, look at what they did, there was good to. work. It was you great have work. To. You have yeah. to. And in fact, this is a moment where you have to start to re-underwrite, like, is your, not you, Jason, but I'm just saying yeah. collectively, is one's Trump derangement syndrome causing more damage than anything that Trump could have actually done? And I think the answer is yes, because like it's now causing us to not see that good work and then embrace and extend it. So much of the work that happened in that administration turns out to have been right. Chamath says, is Trump derangement syndrome causing more damage than anything Trump could have done? And the answer is yes, he says. Wow. Then he goes on to say, um, ended so much of the work that happened in that administration turns out to have been right. So much work turns out to have been right. And those things should be extended. And then he gives examples that you and I, and, and look, Chambers is, is a bright guy and he seems like a, a really decent guy. He did this thing on Stanford business it's it's on YouTube. Something he did for the Stanford business, like I don't know, years ago, five, six, seven, eight years ago. Uh, which he he does something. He talks about something that resonates with me. That <clears throat> money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money lets people be what they are naturally. They just get to express that more. So if you're a generous person and you're rich, you're gonna you're gonna be just as generous, but even more generous because you have more resources with which to be generous. If you're a total a-hole and you're a narcissist and don't think about yourself, uh, then you're probably going to be like a Hunter Biden. Whether you're uh, if you're whether you're a Skid Row heroin junkie or a high-end drug addict, like that that's your character, and then the money allows you to be more of that. So so you know for a Silicon Valley guy, pretty decent individual. So it's it's nice to hear him to say these things. But you and I have realized the basic stuff that President Trump was right back in 2015, 2016. The wall, commerce, interest rates, energy independence. All this stuff was just was, was just made common sense. And if you like Trump, great. And then there's a lot of people that were Republicans and they could not stand Trump, but they saw that his policies were good. So they plugged their nose and they voted for him in 2016 and in 2020. Or maybe not 2016, but 2020. So it's just mind-boggling to Amiga, like, uh, uh, not mind-boggling, because I understand that this Trump derangement syndrome, this brainwashing of leftist ideology is so ingrained that even smart and good people like Chama, they, they get blinded. But it's beautiful when people finally take those blindfolds off. And that's what's so frustrating for me. The work on the border wall. We didn't like the messenger, so we killed the message. Turned out it was right. Issuing long-term debt to refinance when rates were at zero, we didn't like the messenger, so we killed the message. A structural piece in the Middle East, we didn't like the messenger, so we killed the message. When are we going to stop shooting ourselves in the foot? And when are we going to yeah, actually I mean, see and take the time to look past who is saying things and actually listen to them word for word? Makes total common sense. It totally makes sense. To us free thinkers and to look, folks, look, 
yes, I am pretty analytical because I was an economist. I've been working in finance. Numbers just point to something and it's really black or white. That's why some folks like mathematics and they like accounting and they like those and, and science and, and what have you. Believe it or not, I'm not actually that kind of person. I am. I, we are all emotional beings. I'm an emotional being. But I gravitated in my profession to something that was quantitative so that I could be emotional in other parts of my life and kind of leave that, uh, not to worry about that in my profession. So I don't know if I'm unique or in anything in, in the four because I, I definitely realize I'm a very emotional being, but I also just am analytical and just certain things, there's no emotion about them. No new wars under President Trump. <clears throat> That's something I can get emotional about, but it's also quantitative. It's also factual. We did not engage in any new conflicts. And then we destroyed ISIS. Okay? The Middle East was relatively doing well. The Abrahamic Accords. Okay? You can get emotional about peace in the Middle East. But then you also have to just be <clears throat> analytical and go, maybe Trump is doing something right. Even if you hate the man, you must go, man, something is right here. My gas price is down. I'm making more money. I'm keeping more money. Inflation is uh, essentially, you know, 2%, 1%, 0%, 3%, not hyperinflation. Just things were good. Just maybe, even if I don't like the guy in the White House, maybe, just maybe his policies work. You would think that people would be able to just separate the emotionality from reality. But unfortunately, that's not the case. Unfortunately, that's not the case. A lot of people are just emotionally manipulated to the point where it's their core. And they cannot reason or be rational. They are just 100% emotional. That used to be called immaturity. But now there's just so many immature people in our country, in the Western world, when I say our country, I know that not everyone listens to the show. A majority of you, 93% of you are Americans. But my Canadian, South African, Irish, English, Scottish, German, uh, and Filipino. I think probably in the Philippines, a lot of you are expats out there who, who listen to and watch the show. You know what I'm talking about? It just seems like uh, there was an amoeba in the water over the last 20 years. I don't know, maybe fluoride. And people just damn lost their ability to just use not even hardcore analytics, but just use common sense and just the ability to have a little bit of critical thinking skills and just separate yourself from your emotions, from what's the fact is in your face. You can hate Trump, but things are worse under Biden. In every single matrix. You don't have to be emotional about it to see that life was better. Under Trump. Okay, let me switch gears really quick. This happened last night in Long Beach, California. Listen to how this incident was reported. Police say a man intentionally drove into a group of pedestrians, killing one person. It happened last night off Aquarium Way. 
Witnesses say a car ran a red light, slammed into several cars and the pedestrians, including a woman pushing a baby stroller. That victim, 60-year-old Romelia Aguilar Cuarenta, died at the scene. Other victims were rushed to the hospital. One is in critical condition. The suspected driver, 46-year-old Khalid Yagabi, was arrested on suspicion of murder. Tonight, authorities say there is no indication that this was a terrorist act tied to violence in the Mideast. Fox 11 wanted Southern Californians to know this is not a terrorist attack. Even though things are going on, and this was an intentional guy just plowing through people, and this has been an M.O. type of deal for terrorists in the past. Nothing to see here. Move along, move along. Another big, probably the biggest news outlet in Southern California is KTLA 5 uh, out of Los Angeles. Grew up watching them. I've, I'm familiar with the operation. I've been in their studios before. I, I'm, it's one I'm familiar with. And they're like the CNN or the New York One of Southern California. They have like five or six news shows a day. They were a little bit more honest, but still not quite willing to call it a terrorist attack. The victim's brother owns a food truck over here. He says his sister was visiting him, and as she was heading home, crossing the street, she was struck and killed by a speeding car. Five other people were hospitalized. A witness to the collision also told us he saw a woman with a stroller in the intersection. Juan Cuarenta says his sister, 60-year-old Romelia Cuarenta, was stopping by his food truck for dinner. He says his sister was struck and killed when a car failed to stop and slammed into her along with five other people. Officers say they have evidence that this may have been intentional. The suspect is a 46-year-old man from Los Angeles. He stayed at the scene, was arrested, and booked on a murder charge. Detectives believe he was traveling eastbound in the westbound lane at a high rate of speed, ran a red light, and struck the group of people without slowing down. Juan says his family is waiting to talk to forensics. She did not deserve to die like this. He has to pay for what he's done and for the injustice and harm that he's done to our family. And because of the suspicious circumstances of this incident and events happening abroad, the FBI responded to the scene and is now helping with the investigation. All right, so Laura Loomer posted this article here. Oh, by the way, I didn't know that Ride Aid had filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy and has a new CEO. I'm not going to cover that news in this program, but this is what Laura Loomer had. Uh, and I trust Laura Loomer. She does a lot of digging. Law enforcement sources in California have told me that police in Long Beach, California, have been given a gag order to not talk about the fact that the man who was arrested yesterday after committing vehicular jihad in downtown Long Beach, California, is a Muslim who carried out his attack in the name of Islam. When FBI responded to the scene yesterday, and you can see that KTLA 5 said that the FBI is assisting because of what people were thinking, assisting with the investigation... And because of the suspicious circumstances of this incident and events happening abroad, the FBI responded to the scene and is now helping with the investigation. It said that uh, they can't, uh, when FBI responded to the scene yesterday, sources tell me the FBI said they can't mention the killer was a Muslim terrorist and ordered all people to not speak about it to the media. The media is only front of the terrorist killer as a man booked for murder after the Muslim man named Khalid Yagobi intentionally rammed his car into a woman pushing a stroller and ran over at least five other pedestrians. The woman died and FBI responded to the scene, but police inside Long Beach Police Department are told they can't mention that he's a Muslim and that this was an act of Islamic terrorism in support of Hamas's call for jihad. Now, what could they possibly be doing that? Uh, they could be doing that 
uh, because they don't want to alarm the public, even though Christopher Ray already said that there's going to be lone wolf attacks, and it seems to be one of those. It could be that they're, you know, this is bad press for Biden. Or maybe if you trust the FBI, they don't want to embolden other copycats and other jihadists. They want to keep this on the DL, on the down low, so as not to spur more of these. Or perhaps they just want to keep the truth from we Americans. Now, check this out. We got some internet sleuths digging into deeper, doing the job that the honest press used to do when, you know, when they would ignore gag orders from authoritarian law enforcement and politicians. So here's what we've got. Jihad lone wolf attack. I warned, I don't know what this is, explicit. I warned there would be an uptick in jihadis driving into crowds. Uh, see my linked tweet. Sure enough, Long Beach terrorist Khalid Yagobi drove into a crowd, killing one and injuring others. But wait, the terrorist was previously incarcerated by for a felony and released after nine months. But wait, look at the booking info. Remember when I told you about how they are going to skew the stats for jihadis? His race is noted as others with no other description added. And then uh, this supposedly is a screenshot um, and the race is listed uh, as other right there. Okay. <clears throat> other people digging into this. The complicity of the authorities, jihadist Kali Yagobi race is unknown and no picture or mugshot. So... Someone logged into the LB Police Department, public records, and his date of birth is January something. He's got an ID number. He's in, in custody, um, but uh, 46 years old, male, race unknown. But supposedly this is what he looks like. Why did Palestinian-American Khalid Yagobi, so now people are saying they know he's Palestinian, Intentionally run down and kill Romelia Aguilar as she pushed a stroller in in Long Beach. I don't know if that's the correct name. According to Fox, uh, excuse me, KTLA 5, uh, it was Miss Guarenta, I think is her name. Was. Uh, five others were transported to hospital in stable condition. So a picture of him looks like uh, doing a skydive. I don't know. Is that correct? Is that is that? I mean, is this guy, is that photoshopped? I don't know. But a lot of information uh, out there. And then Laura Loomer followed up with this picture. The Muslim terrorist who intentionally carried out an Islamic terrorist attack via vehicular jihad in Long Beach is named Khalid Yagobi. On his Facebook page, other Islamists are commenting on his page, thanking him for his act of terrorism in California last night. This is California. Zero media coverage. And FBI has given LAPD a gag order to not tell the public that this man is a, an Islamic terrorist who carried out his attack in support of Hamas. Hamas's call to jihad wow speaking of gag orders we got the official gag order released by obama loving and obama supporting judge chutkin against president trump let me show this to you but first let me back up and and and, and show you what jack smith was after so the initial reporting Judge issues gag order against Trump, quote, his presidential candidacy does not give him carte blanche to vilify public servants who are simply doing their jobs. He does not have the right to say and do exactly what he pleases. Yeah, he does. It's called the First Amendment rights. And with very limited exemptions, you know, like yelling fire in a crowded theater and what have you, 
He does have a right to vilify public servants, even if they're simply doing their job. That comes with the territory of being a public servant or a public figure or what have you. But this is what, um, <clears throat> if we go back to last month, this is what they were after. Despite Jack's misclaims, he wants a narrow gag order. This will prevent Trump from posting saying anything about Smith, Chutkin, D.C. Girapool, the FBI, the DOJ in general, Bill Barr, Mike Pence, and a host of other figures. And this is when it was reported that Jack Smith is asking Tanya Chutkin for a gag order. Well, this is what we got. Judge Chutkin has released an official gag order on Donald Trump. Uh, once again, bravo to Technofog, doing a great job. He is prohibited from criticizing the special counsel. The special counsel could engage in the most egregious behavior, threatening witnesses, etc., and Trump couldn't say a thing. And the verbiage is, all interested parties in this matter, including the parties and their counsel, are prohibited from making any public statements or directing others to make any public statements that target the special counsel prosecuting this case or his staff. So literally, they could be partisan people on there, and he can't say anything. Wow. That is incredible. And then Technofog goes on to say, at its essence, this prohibition could punish Trump for telling the truth about the special counsel. No falsity required. Also, she didn't state the penalties for violating this order. Theoretically, that would include fines or potential jail time. So yeah, we're really supposed to believe Chutkin when she says that, uh, you know, it's, this is a narrow order. This is for, you know, the safety of the special counsel and those involved. Of course not. This is election interference by the same cabal that stole the election in 2020. Speaking of elections and voting, I'm going to try to put this up earlier than usual. And we probably won't have the second round of voting to include in this episode. But to give you an update, 20 holdouts against Jim Jordan and Steve Scalise and Ken McCarthy both voted for Jim Jordan. Uh, Jim Jordan is getting counseled and getting help from Ken McCarthy to whip up the holdouts. And Steve Scalise met with Jordan, but said he wouldn't help Jordan whip up votes for the speakership, but he did vote for him. So some weird infighting politics still going on. Let's see if uh, Jordan can wrap this up today on the second vote. 20 is quite a few. Uh, there's There was eight holdouts that we knew of going in. 20 is more than uh, originally. So we'll see what happens. That will happen today. But if it does then I'll have a news, I'll report on that tomorrow. But regardless of what happens by the time you watch this, it's just interesting to note that both McCarthy and Scalise, at least in round one, voted for Jim Jordan and Kevin McCarthy is helping Jim Jordan get the speakership. I don't like Kevin McCarthy uh, and I don't know what his swampiness is up to, but at least it's nice to know there's some cooperation uh, going on there. Oh, he did not vote for Congressman Jim Jordan, instead voting for Tom Emmer. Well, I guess my first question is, do you really want Tom Emmer to be speaker? No, I don't. I don't like Tom Emmer. I figured this would be the worst job in America. Mike Rowe would not want to do this for his TV show. This is so, a terrible job. Okay, so just to underscore that, you voted for somebody because you don't like them. I, I, I voted for somebody because I wasn't going to vote for Jim yeah. Jordan. And as I showed you in the previous clip, some folks are just 
taking this very personal and not being very professional, even for politicians. Now let me close out this episode with an update on what's going on over in Israel. Let's return to those live pictures coming into us from Gaza following reports of an Israeli airstrike on a hospital in central Gaza. The health ministry in Gaza is reporting that there have been 500 casualties in that Israeli airstrike. Uh, we don't have those figures verified, but they are reporting that 300 people have been killed. We have other breaking news. NBC News now learning between 200 and 300 people were killed in a bombing targeting a hospital. That's according to a spokesperson for the Palestinian Health Ministry. The number went from 500 to 300 to maybe 200. Who knows who you can trust? Uh, but Israel said in the very beginning that once this war started, that it was not going to be ugly and people aren't going to like what happens. And we've known and we've reported on this before. It is a known fact that Hamas and Palestinians and terrorists, they hide their cache of weapons. They hide their uh, soldiers behind women and children in hospitals, in schools, and what have you. Uh, but because of this, the latest news is that um, that Biden is going to Israel and then um, to Jordan. <clears throat> and it just came out that the Palestinian president, uh, Abbas, has canceled his meeting with Biden over the alleged airstrike at the Gaza hospital. So once again, uh, Biden being disrespected on the world stage, no one takes him seriously. We don't take him seriously. The world leaders obviously don't. So uh, that's the latest. Also, uh, there was a major strike uh, and, and these major strikes that also took out top people at Hamas. Two top Hamas leaders were killed today in Israeli strikes. Ayman Nafal, a top commander in Hamas's military wing known as Al-Qassam Brigades, uh, was killed today, Tuesday. Uh, the Israeli force announced Monday that it had killed Osama Mazini, the head of Hamas's Shura Council and the group's uh, chief hostage negotiator. So, um, as the Israel Defense Forces had said, we, we eliminated Ayman Nafal, a senior Hamas operative. Nafal was a commander of, of Hamas's Central Brigade in Gaza and the former head of military intelligence. Nafal directed many attacks against Israeli uh, civilians. And besides being one of the most dominant figures in the terrorist organization, he was involved in the planning of the abduction of Gilad Shalit. We won't stop until we eliminate Hamas, uh, for those that were wondering about the resolve of Israel. So, uh, and that's in reference to the 2006 abduction of Israeli soldier uh, Jalad Shalit. Uh, both of them, both these two senior Hamas leaders were linked to that and they were killed in airstrikes on Gaza just hours apart from each other. All right, big hug to all of y'all. I'll be back tomorrow with more news and hopefully news that Jim Jordan is the new Speaker of the House. Until then, Ciao, goodbye, God bless. We're in a situation where we have put together, and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics.